Heavenly Father, we are here before your word. We're here to learn it and understand it and apply it. And Lord, we know that um, your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it's wonderful to come together as a family around your word to be encouraged, admonished, established, built up. We also thank you for the opportunity that children have to learn from your word in Sunday school. And the Sunday school teachers and the effort that they put there, they're a blessing. And we also thank you for the time we've had at this location as it's coming to an end. Help us through our transitions to another rental location and then eventually to our new building awaiting to be built. Pray a blessing on that and a blessing on those who have volunteered to put time and effort into such a big project. We thank you for the Bibles that are going to be dispersed, all the funds that have been raised to disperse 54 Bibles. Your word is truth, Lord, and it's such a wonderful thing that we can send the truth out. And we also pray for other opportunities to have Bible studies. As Tim shared, the possibility of a Serbo-Croatian Bible study in an aged care facility. Lord, if there be a door open, um, show us the way. If not, open a window so we can climb through another way. And for the PNG donations, such a wonderful time to give and to give cheerfully to people who can um, benefit from the things that we have once loved and are ready to pass on. We pray for all the items that have been donated that may be a blessing to our fellow brothers and sisters in PNG. Thank you and pray for all this in your name. Amen. Okay, so last time, when I was up here, I um, spoke from Ephesians chapter 5, um, in particular about wives and husbands, and before I got into the details about wives and husbands, there was a particular verse that kind of frames the last sermon, this sermon, and the next sermon. And that verse isn't found. It's found in Ephesians 5.21. It says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So this overarching theme that we're going to see is submission. And in general, we are to all submit to one another. 
and that is out of reverence for Christ. We revere Christ, and therefore that's our motivation for submitting to one another. Christ submitted himself to God, pay the penalty for our sin. And that's where we get our motivation for submitting to one another. It's not a fight for the top, it's a fight for the bottom. So the wife submits to her husband, and the husband submits to his wife in the form of his love for her. The same way that Christ loved the church. And now we're going to learn today about the submission of children to parents and parents to children. So let's get into our text. It's in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 to 4. Verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So I've got the words up there. I'm going to leave them up there. That's all we need. It's only four verses. It's fairly short. There are three commands. And the first command is, obey your parents. Second is, honour your father and mother. And the third, do not provoke, but bring them up. So that's how I'm going to frame this, this talk, around those three commands. So our first command, obey your parents. In essence, it just simply means to submit to what your parents want you to do because it's what the Lord wants you to do. You see, children, obey your parents in the Lord. And this is typical within a Christian home. Christian home teaches about God. We'll be teaching all the principles, all the life skills, all the laws, all the rules from the Bible. There is a parallel in Colossians 3.20, where Paul says something fairly similar. And he's also got the, a, a similar outline where he talks about wives and husbands, children and parents, and um, bond servants and masters. It's in the same order. In Colossians 3.20 it says, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. It pleases the Lord. So when children listen to the parents, as the parents instruct in the Lord, it pleases the Lord. And what the Lord wants you and I to do is right. That's what it says, for this is right. Obedience is submission in action. It's what we do. It's like when a parent tells a child that they need permission to take something. This is fundamental. You ask if you want to take something. Otherwise, it's snatching. Or it could end up being, for older kids, stealing. Or it's submission in action when a parent tells their children 
to dump money on their mortgage while interest rates are low. It's a parent teaching wisdom. And you might think in your head, well, hang on a second, aren't these two children too young to have a mortgage? Well, fortunately for all of us, the word here for children simply means progeny or offspring. It just means a descendant from parents. So there is no age limit. It's not referring to infants. There's another word for that, and that's, you'd find that elsewhere, but not here. It simply means offspring, so it's not restricted to very young children. Some young children might not understand who Jesus is or the Lord, because they're just too young to speak. It's not for them. But it definitely does start there, in our actions, in our behaviours. They're really good copycats when they're very young. So children includes you and me. I'm a child. My parents are still alive. Maybe you might have one parent. Maybe you might have no parents. Well, God is your father. You're a child. Regardless of age, we are to come under what our parents say and do what our parents want. And I understand that when we're younger, it makes sense to listen attentively and, and follow a lot of instruction. My kids are seven and five. We have to tell them very clearly how things are to be done. But when the children are older and they're out of home, they don't have to do so much of it. They'll make their own decisions. But it's important to be around. Because Google might have all the answers but has no experience. Google has no life experience. And there's a, there's a phenomenon that's been, um, that people have been noticing. Young parents don't go to their, their parents. So new, new parents, they, they've got a newborn, or they might have young children or a child. They don't really go to their parents anymore for help. They go to Google. And the, and, and the parents or the grandparents are a bit reluctant to step in. They don't want to be a part. They don't want to intervene. They might get the boot from the children. And maybe it is Google that's, that's causing this phenomenon. We have Dr. Google. We've got Google for everything. Just hop on the internet and there's your answer. Maybe, but there's, there's a phenomenon that people are, are noticing. But I think it's important that we understand that even though parents become grandparents, they still have a parenting role and children need to understand that and submit to that. It doesn't end when you leave the house. My dad still tells me off. Oh yeah. He, um, he'll look at my garden and say, why didn't you mow the lawn? It's not his house, but he's got a point. So it's regardless of age. The idea is to listen and act on listening, not just to, 
to um, just hear things. It's listening, which requires action involved. And why do we do this? Because it pleases the Lord. Remember, this is the framework for everything. It's all about Jesus. It's all about him. Do you want to please the Lord? If you do, listen to your parents. Obey them. If you don't have parents around, listen to God. He is a father of all of us. The ultimate father. And this is... This is part of the pattern. This is part of having a submissive family. Second point is honour your father and mother. That means simply to value your parents as important so that you may have quality of life and quantity of life. In verses 2 and 3 it says, Honour your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Obviously, little kids, when they're learning, tell them, don't run out on the road. Why? So they can live long and not get hit by a car or something, you know? But still, as kids grow older, there's, there's an, more important things. You know, little kids, little problems, big kids, big problems. Don't go and do drugs. It won't be good for you. So in verses 2 and 3, we see the attitude behind the action. It's the why to obey, why we obey. It says it's the first commandment with a promise. And you might think, well, isn't that the fifth commandment in the list of ten? It certainly is. I'll read it really carefully. It's the first commandment that comes with a promise. So the other four didn't come with a promise, but this is the first one. And it's the first in the list of ten with regard to human relationships. So there's two firsts there. So the first four are relationships towards God. The last six within the Ten Commandments are relationship between each other. And it starts with the family. And the promises are that things may go well. And that's quality of life. You'll have a quality of life when you listen to your parents. That you may live long. That's quantity of life. Maybe your parents have made some poor decisions and that's why they're teaching you. Don't do like this. We've done that before. It doesn't work. Here's some wisdom. Wisdom and making strong choices leads to a long life. Long and fruitful life. Making weak choices doesn't. You can read Proverbs. Proverbs is full of it. So, what does it look like? Well, I know my dad likes to come around and one of the things he always asks for when he comes to visit is a coffee. And when, I haven't, when, when there was a, one time when I didn't have coffee for him, I forgot to roast or didn't have time, I'm, I'm in trouble, you know. So I learn, okay, that's important to him. I can sit down, I'll make him a coffee. And I sit with him and have a coffee with him. It's important for him. It's how I honour him. My children honour me when they help me with my housework. They go and collect the mail. That's, that's one of the jobs. Or feeding the pets is another one. That's help. And all of this is to improve the quality of life and the quantity of life. 
it encourages warm, functional, and long-lasting relationships, because that's what we want, right? Generations and generations of warm, functional, and long-lasting relationships. And so when it says to honour your father and mother, it's the attitude behind the action. It's what we take in our heart. Value our parents. They're important. It's the attitude behind the act of obedience that makes for a better life. It makes for a submissive family. Now, I've come across a story about an Alaskan family who decided to go out and live on a boat. Their cabin, where they pretty much did everything, cooking, cleaning, sleeping, was about the size of a camper van caravan and they spent seven years living together and one of the things you know reflecting on on their experience one of the things that they discovered is that you know the closer they lived together the less they fought everyone helped out everyone had a job everyone spent good time together and they fought less and that, that's what I thought was quite interesting to be stuck in a small room for so long and fight less. So we have been commanded to obey our parents and to honour them. Now here comes a negative. Do not provoke, but bring them up. So we have a negative followed by a positive. Parents, don't exasperate your children, but nurture them. Don't exasperate them. In Ephesians 6.4, it says, Fathers, do not provoke your children in anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Don't raise them angry, in other words, but nurture them. And again, there's a parallel in Colossians Chapter 3, verse 21, where it says, Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. There's another word, angry or discouraged. Don't raise them to be discouraged. There's an Australian psychologist whose name is Steve Biddulph. If you've ever driven down past um, Gilson College, Last year sometime, you would have seen his name advertised. He was um, a guest speaker at an event. Um, he's well known for his book, um, Raising Boys. He once said that in a room of 100 Australian men, 33 will not have spoken to their father in years, maybe decades. Another 33 will speak to their fathers, but it ends up badly. Words are said, someone storms out, and a door is slammed. And the last 33 say they have an okay relationship with their fathers because they catch up once a week for dinner. But that's duty, not a warm relationship. Bidoff goes on to say that in a room of 100... 100 Australian men, only one can say they have a warm, functional relationship with their father. And what that tells me is that 
a lot of children raised up angry or discouraged. And here we have a command not to do that. Do not provoke your children anger. And I believe that this command is not just for fathers, but for mothers too. Because if you have a look at the word fathers, that sometimes can be translated as parents. And let me show you how it's done. In, the, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23, Moses, it says that Moses was hidden for three months by his parents. And that word parents there is the same word that's translated as fathers. So sometimes, on some occasions, it's translated that way. And I believe it's, it can be understood this way because if you have a look at verse 1, it says, Obey your parents in the Lord. This is how it starts out, with parents. And then it says in verse 2, Honour your father and mother. It's addressed to both. So I think that it's important, not just for fathers, for mothers not to provoke their children anger. Don't raise your children angry. Don't raise your children to resent you. And you might ask, well, how? How could I be possibly doing that? Now, let me just give you a few to think about. Overprotection. Fence them in. Never trust them. Deprive them from freedom to develop independence. And if they want to explore, just mock their decisions. If they want to venture out, no, you can't do that. Stay in my nest only. And they'll think, well, such and such is doing that and such and such is doing that. My parents don't let me do anything. I'm fenced in. I'm stuck. You raise them like that, they'll grow up resenting you. Another one is favouritism. Treat one better than the other. And say things like, oh, why can't you be more like your sister? Or why can't you be more like your brother or your friend? Oh, look at your friend, how he puts his, away his, nice, his shoes nicely. It's like you're valuing everyone else but your own. Or you value one more than the other. That's going to cause resentment. Another one here is push unrealistic achievement. In other words, children must be successful, and if they're not, well then maybe they're just not good enough. They're going to be good at everything or or go home. And that'll bring up angry children. Everyone has limitations. We can't do everything. Having limitations is okay. Discourage them. Don't give them any rewards. Don't give them any approval. Don't give them any honour or affection. And they'll become discouraged and resentful. Don't, this, this is an interesting one. Don't make sacrifices for them. And they'll think that they're an intrusion in your life. Don't make sacrifices. That's how they can learn to resent. Parents need to make sacrifices. It is really, really important. Time, money. Maybe you don't need to have the, the cup of coffee a day. Save some money and buy you know, some sporting equipment for your kids or something they'll enjoy. 
or take them to an experience. Kids have everything but lack experiences. Make those sacrifices. They're not an intrusion. They're a blessing. Don't allow them room to grow up. No matter what age a child is, whether in, you know, they're in primary school or they're in high school or they're adults, they all need growing up. Even I need growing up. Let them make mistakes in life. Let them be silly at times. Another way that that children can grow up and be resentful or discouraged is to neglect them of fellowship, affection or love and then to, I don't know, use that neglect as a means to punish children. It's not helpful. Um, And one more, bitter words and put-downs. Saying words to hurt them. That'll exasperate them and discourage them and make them angry. So we don't want to do that. Instead, we want to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So discipline and instruction. Or perhaps, another way to look at it is boundaries and consequences. So not ba- sorry, boundaries and counselling. Discipline is about setting boundaries. It's about having rules. It involves training, correction. If you break a rule, here are the consequences. While instruction is about warning, admonition, counselling, it's the talking part, you know, when you sit down and have a lecture. And we need to have a balance of both. If we provide too much discipline, it's not good because we forget they are children. They're going to act up. They make mistakes. We all do. And if we provide too much counselling, it's not good either. Maybe with... um, Adult children, it's it's helpful. But it's not good either because we forget they have many things to learn through experience. They can't learn everything rationally. Sometimes learning everything rationally just ends up in an argument. And if that happens too often, then maybe maybe we need to think, oh, is there a consequence that that can improve the situation? So remember our focus is to raise them up so that we can have a warm, functional and lasting relationship with them. Not to be too hard on them with discipline and forget about instructing them, and not to be easy with them regarding discipline and focus too much on instruction. They need boundaries and counselling and parents need to be careful not to raise children to be angry and resentful. In other words, let them make mistakes, let them fail. Praise them for when they do things well. Honour them. Honour where honour is due and respect to where respect is due. If they come home and they've assembled all kinds of bits of 
craft things and you don't know what to make sense of, you, you, and they tell you it's, it's a prison for my figurines. And you look at it and you think, oh, not quite. But don't tell them it doesn't look like one. Tell them, you know, you, you put in a lot of effort. Well done for persisting and cre creating something from your imagination. Give them that kind of praise. It, it builds them up. Make sacrifices for them. Spend time with them. That's right. Spend time with them. It's the most important thing to developing a cohesive unit, a cohesive, submissive, functional unit, like the Alaskan family. You don't have to go to that extreme, but think of them. Maybe go camping and share a tent. Or play at home, create like a little imaginary cubby house and play with them. Get in that cubby house yourself. If they're older kids, do more than just having your routine coffee for the week. Go and do something your children are like. Maybe your children like to go fishing and you don't, but go and do it. Just to spend time with them. And vice versa. Maybe for children, if you've got adult and you want to spend time with your parents, go and do something your parents like. Just spend time. Submit to, as parents, submit to their needs, not their wants. Children have needs. We've got to understand that we are to submit to that. It's really important. They need love. They need discipline. They need example to follow. They need consistency. And they will, like Jesus, when he was a child, they will increase in wisdom, stature, and favor with God and man. So Luke verse, um, chapter 2, verse 52, we have four things. Wisdom, stature, favor with God, and man. And you think about it, wisdom is psychological, it's the mental capacity. Stature is the physical capacity. This is how we want to encourage children to grow and develop. Favor with man, that's the social capacity. Build that up. Help children build that up. In favor with God, that's the spiritual capacity. So mental, physical, social, and spiritual. Four areas that Jesus grew up in. We want to raise children to be like Jesus. And we think about those four areas too. So submit to what your parents want you to do because it's what the Lord wants you to do. And what the Lord wants you to do is right. So go to your Bible if you're not sure what is right. It's all there, from cover to cover. Value your parents is important, and you will have quality of life and quantity of life. And parents, don't exasperate your children, but nurture them in the Lord and of the Lord. Notice how in the verse 1 it starts out, in the Lord, and then in verse 4 it finishes with, of the Lord. It's all framed around that. You know, I remember reading a book by Paul Tripp on parenting, and he says, well, the most important passage on parenting is not this one here in Ephesians. You find it at the end of Matthew, where the Great Commission is. Because that's what we do, whether we're in a church, 
um, in families, we do commission work. We are to make disciples. That's what we do. Our kids are just borrowed. They're God's children. He's just put them in our care for a period of time. They're his. And we are to make disciples out of them. I want to finish off with a story. It's about a country music star. His name is Brad Paisley. So if a day is here, she might, might have a smile on her face. I believe she likes country music. And if anyone else has heard of Brad Paisley, yeah. So he sold more than 7 million albums and recorded 14 number one singles. This was um, recorded back in 2009, so he must have, um, this article, he must have um, put out a few more albums, got a few more number ones. So despite his success, Paley says he owes his father money. So he's got all this success, but still owes his father money. Paisley says when he was first getting started at the age of 12, he would go out and sing five songs, tell jokes, and come home $55 richer. Calls his dad his first roadie. And looking back, he says, my dad never asked for a cut, not even gas money. I still owe him money. So Paisley is now married and the father of two children. He has more respect for his father, adding, I relate to him in a different way. Paisley's father, Doug, is proud of what his son has become. The elder Paisley says, he's a great dad and a good husband. I feel I've been that. I gave up weekend military service because it gave me time with him. And that was found in the um, it's a magazine called The Boot. And that was written down back in October 9, 2009. It's about 10, year, 10 years ago. Oh, hang on. 2020 now, so almost a bit over 10 years. Yeah. So most people owe their parents more than they could ever repay. And most parents wouldn't think of ever asking for anything in return, except maybe that their kids will take care of their grandkids the way they took care of them. Let's finish off with a prayer. Heavenly Father, we are, we are so blessed to have this instruction that is much broader than what we think and it applies to all of life, no matter where we are, and that is instruction to submit to one another in reverence for Christ. And whether we are parents or we are children, adult children, or our parents have moved on and we have you as our father or we have an opportunity to work in Sunday school. There are many, many areas in our life where we can raise a generation of people who are valued, who are loved, who are cared for in a way that won't bring resentment, won't discourage them, won't anger them. Thank you for your instruction this morning. Help us to apply in every area of life. Help us to pass on our experience 
one another, help us to edify and build one another up. In your name we pray. Amen.